Hey, what's going on? This is True News 365. Thanks for joining me once again today. I want to continue the conversation on fulfillment theology. This will be uh, probably episode 2B <laughs> or something like that. I have uh, a podcast on the Romans 11 dilemma that speaks on these things. I try to go through Romans 11 and try to, you know, read this, and exegete it as best as I can, a very complicated part of scripture on how will all Israel be saved. And then I did a uh, video podcast on my YouTube. Go check that out. It should be linked here on my uh, podcast platform. Uh, and then this is episode two, just a conversation. I wanted to go over an interview with John MacArthur. I was asked about Romans 11 and fulfillment theology and supersessionalism. Um, and uh, he wants to talk about that. And I really couldn't help myself but try to um, uh, respond to him. So check out this conversation. There will definitely be more on this conversation, on this topic, moving forward in eschatology and uh, fulfillment theology. Uh, hope you enjoy it. And again, if you do, send me a, a, a message, a high five, a smile. Until next time. Stick around. I'll be right back. All right, it's True News 365. Um, on the question of fulfillment theology, I want to continue the conversation. And I want to play a clip, an audio clip, by John MacArthur, and then comment. Jewish person is good. What does that verse mean? Well, all Israel, all of Israel will be saved. Every, every Jewish person is good. What does that verse mean? Well, all Israel will be saved. That's in the future. There will be the salvation of the nation Israel. Um, Paul basically in Romans 11 is saying that the gifts and callings of God are not um, repented of. God doesn't change his mind. And in the Old Testament, he promised salvation to Israel in the New Covenant, Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36. So God made a promise in the future to, to fulfill the Davidic covenant, fulfill the Abrahamic promise with the nation Israel. Even after they killed the Messiah, you remember in, in the early part of the book of Acts, Peter gets up and, and identifies what they had just done, but says, you are still the people of God. Uh, God has a plan for the future salvation of Israel because his gifts and callings are not subject to repentance. Um, that doesn't mean that all Jews through all of human history will be saved. It means that there will be a time in the future when the nation Israel believes and is saved. And that is described in detail in the book of Zechariah. When they look on the one they've pierced, mourn for him as an only son, and a fountain of forgiveness and blessing is open to Israel. And then it follows in, into the kingdom. It's my conviction, I don't know if you've read the book I wrote called The Gospel According to God, but Isaiah 53 will be the confession of the nation Israel when they are saved, because it's, it's not really a prophecy. Isaiah 53 is not really a prophecy 
of the life of Christ because all the verbs are in the past tense. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. So if Isaiah is prophesying something in the future, why is it all in the past tense? Because what he's prophesying is the future salvation of Israel when they look back and say he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and by his chastening we have, we have shalom with God. So that whole 53rd chapter is a confession of Israel which they will come to by the Spirit of God when they look on the one they've pierced, mourn for him as an only son. Just just a, a point of clarification, a point on that before I forget. Um, <clears throat> I think we all kind of look at uh, Christ, although we know that specifically by the narrative of the Old to the New Testament, we see that Israel uh, called out, uh, crucify him, crucify him. Uh, his um, blood be our, upon our our generation, right? Um, but today, anyone who comes to Christ says that he died for our sins, right? For my sins, for the sins of those of the world, of those who, who would believe, right? So we technically can say this. And understand what his life and death meant for them. Uh, the prophets also say that the two-thirds of the Jews will be, will be purged out. But there will be a future salvation of living Jews who make up the the, the nation Israel, um, and I think it, it it's described in beginning detail in uh, the book of Revelation when you have a revival in the city of Jerusalem during so, the tribulation. So, are are you suggesting that the church isn't Israel? No, the church is not Israel because they're separated. The, the church and the and the church of God and Israel are two separate entities. Uh, here, here's the problem. You're, you're talking now about supersessionism. You're talking about the idea that um, all the promises to Israel, Israel has for, uh, forfeited by its disobedience and are now belonging to the church. Um, the Bible doesn't allow that. Romans 11 does not allow that. That's the very verse you're talking about. The, the promises God made to Israel, he will fulfill to Israel. So uh, to, to make the church the recipient of promises given to Israel splits the Old Testament verses. You can go all the way back to Deuteronomy, back to the mountain, Ebal and Mount Gerizim, uh, where God says, obey me and you'll have curse, uh, blessings, disobey me and you'll have curses. So I remember being in Jerusalem and hearing a reformed preacher there say um, all of the curses came on national Israel, all of the blessings come on the church. Well, I mean, it's one thing to say that, it's something else to come to Jerusalem and say it. Uh, and he was, by the way, followed up by Dr. Charles Feinberg, who was my mentor who was so outraged, he got up after that and said, well, it's wonderful that we all gather together to tell the Jews that they're getting nothing but the curses. Um, so the future kingdom of Israel will bring about the salvation of the nation Israel. And that's what Jeremiah is talking about when he says, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit and write my law in your hearts. And that's talking to Israel. So <clears throat> um, on that note, any, any reformed uh, speaker who literally has the gall to go get up and in Jerusalem, offend people like that. Um, that uh, that's questionable. Although um, <laughs> he's he's got to be pretty um, uh, pretty brave to do something like that. But it's a little coarse. Uh, I personally would not do that. But you know, hey, um, uh, I tr I do believe that um, 
it, it's fulfillment theology. It's not replacement theology. Uh, the thing is, is that, that um, uh, there's a problem with looking at the kingdom of Israel uh, the way the pre-millennialist uh, will see it, because they have uh, sacrifice starting up again in a literal 1,000-year reign of Christ and all that stuff, and, and that's not going to be brought up here, which should be, because it's kind of hard, because it, it goes against a lot of what Paul spoke about. It goes a, a, a whole lot about the the, um, the priesthood, uh, spiritual priesthood that is Christ and now fulfilled in Christ, in the book of Hebrews, and it clashes with a lot of that. Um, I have to say that the debate concerning fulfillment theology, um, there are f a f there are few convincing arguments by way of Scripture, Old Testament prophecy, uh, that even John MacArthur can bring up to argue against Christ being the true Israel and the true uh, church in Christ, right? But what I will say is that there is it seems, a future people, ethnic Israel, which will look back as a people on him who, whom they have pierced. I believe this, although we all can say that we are guilty of him dying for our sins. Uh, the most Gentile of Gentiles can say that today. Um, I think we all collectively will look back and say that he died for our sins, right? Um, I believe this. I believe when in Romans 11 it speaks of all Israel will be saved, Paul is speaking about his ethnic people. But the question uh, once again remains, um, how will Israel be saved? Uh, but by the grace of God to save a remnant of, of the Jews and a remnant of the Gentiles, making up a spiritual nation who I believe is true Israel, the second Adam, the Messiah, the servant of God. In the Old Testament, he and only he is one in his bride, the church, us in him and he in us. I hate it when people allude to just saying, read the text, let this text speak for itself, as though that's what they're doing all the time when they're not spiritualizing the text or contextualizing it in their own personal way, uh, based on their presuppositions, right? But what they claim to do when they say this in their protest against over-spiritualizing the text, but that's where we should all come to the table to discuss where and when it's obvious we should spiritualize the meaning of the text. We're not spiritualizing the text. We're spiritualizing the meaning of the text. And sometimes we have to go there, especially with regard to prof uh, prophecy, uh, reading, uh, eschatology. You cannot read eschatology without spiritualizing something, somewhere, somehow, and for some purpose, right? So, you know, the question to me borders on how Israel will be saved, what methodology, what method, what miracle, what amazing grace has God bestowed upon his believing people, Jew and Gentile, by which all Israel will come to place. Uh, all those Old Testament references to to Israel getting all this land, uh, <clears throat> but yet it speaks of a new heaven and a new earth coming down, brand new, spanking brand new, from the heavens in in in, in Revelation. What is that all about? What about the old earth? All of this is said to be to to pass away. So why are they caught up on land, and why for only a measly one thousand years, when the old uh, New Testament prophecy and um, uh, revelational prophecy is speaking about uh, eternal things. 
um, a thousand years is a drop in a bucket with regard to these things, okay? So there has to be a spiritualizing reference to these things and how it's going to be delivered, just as uh, the new covenant entered into um, uh, Israel. Israel did not recognize their savior when he did arrive. They didn't recognize their king. Um, <clears throat> why? Because they were thinking things would be one way. Well, the same thing goes with regard to us if we cannot see that God will do what he will do the way he will do what he will do. <laughs> you see, it's not for us to determine how God will deliver the kingdom to us. Um, I believe that he has spoken. And a lot of these things still, we still need to come to the table and, and recognize that, you know, where we should spiritualize um, and what things mean. Because uh, a lot of these things, if gone by the, the premillennial dispensationalist um, understanding, um, is too literal, and and um, and uh, you know sometimes you have to be literal. Sometimes you have to be spiritual. Where and when do we decide what is metaphor, what is not, what is parable, what is not? So we continue doing that in the roundtable of the body of faith. Okay, thanks for listening. Until next time, God bless.